0: and That,
1: Dyslexia Audio Transmission
2: Welcome to This and That, the dyslexia podcast from Dyslexia Ireland. My name is Amy Smith and I am the Advocacy Coordinator here in the DAI and we are very excited about our guest who is here today and I'm also joined with Michelle, say hello Michelle hello
0: Amy
1: <laughs> and hello Dylan thanks for coming hey, in to talk to us this thank weekend.
0: you no problem so um, my name is Dylan Payne I'm 27 I'm from Dublin uh, I work in a college uh, I enjoy all sort of things sport really um, yeah that's really it you know this. excellent healthy. and
2: the major factor Dylan your biggest selling point is what oh, I'm
0: dyslexic Yay! yes of course. <laughs>
2: That's always a good selling point. We're we're always delighted when anyone comes in here, um, who who gets to shout about their dyslexia. So um, we have explained to Dylan beforehand about our beautiful magical hat. Um, I've decided to design it with pink and gold question marks today, so it's very flamboyant. That's beautiful. I was feeling a bit flamboyant, Michelle. So um, I'm gonna have a, a rummage around, in the hat, and we'll see what comes out. There we are now. So the question is. When did you find out you were dyslexic, and can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Uh, I was diagnosed uh, when I was uh, being dyslexic when I was seven years old. Um, I got my my teacher identified me and told my parents, and then the school paid for um, the test for me. So basically, I was completely uh, oblivious to everything about what was happening. I just remember being sent off to a room and with a. Uh, a, what I taught was a teacher, sort of thing, and uh, doing all these tests. And then my parents found out, and I, they sort of drip and drab gave it to me what, what was happening. I remember they're just describing it was sort of like, Oh, your brain works differently without using you know more strong terms for you know only a seven year old. So uh, I, I suppose I was pretty um, obviously dyslexic, so uh, <laughs> that's how my teacher was so able to tell my parents and the school are great with paying for the test
2: yeah it's it's kind of great when you can get that support from from the school I was assessed when I was seven as well and I often think that sometimes people who were assessed when they were young um, kind of have a different outlook in relation to dyslexia because it's Mm. always kind of been a part of their life
0: yeah it's your Um, self-identity
2: yeah and would you do you think do you kind of consider it to be a big part of yourself or how do you feel about it
0: well absolutely yeah um like if you're talking about the way you interpret information and so there's going to be an outlet from that so the input is going to be different than most people so it makes you pretty unique in a way you know and it's people don't understand why sometimes but you know a lot of it is really good qualities i believe yeah
1: excellent we're very very pro all the brilliant dyslexia traits so I'm not dyslexic. Unfortunately, sometimes I feel because when I hear people uh, be so confident and proud of it, I feel like I'm missing out on something. Um but one of the things then that struck me about being diagnosed at 7 and then you've grown up with it as part of your identity. So are you you're happy to speak about dyslexia with everybody? Do you is it part of your normal conversation like with friends and things? Are you do you just freely talk about being
0: dyslexic? Yeah, I would to my friends or anyone who really wants to know about it, but I wouldn't be talking, I'd be very cautious around sort of applying for jobs or something like that. Like, I wouldn't mention I'd be on this podcast, for example, just because of maybe a little bit of ignorance behind what it is and the people t- thinking about the negative aspects. Rather than actual positive things that come about mm-hmm. like it's it's a real bad way of living your life always concentrating on the bad things that mm-hmm. come out of things instead of the, what positives you can get out of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. so that's really interesting then so um, because one of the things we do find is that many adults worry or are concerned about whether or not they should talk about their dyslexia to employers, and it's different for everybody. So some people we would say to people, if you can, you should talk about mm-hmm. it so but just from the point of view that's easy for me to say because I'm not dyslexic mm-hmm. so you would still find it that you might hold back on some information if you went for a job interview or
0: yeah I wouldn't mention it until I actually got it to be honest okay. like uh, I just want to be sort of judged on my merits of getting in there and mm-hmm. then after that I can le- I'll let anyone know but okay, you know, I don't want to be discriminated against on that sort of ground you mm-hmm. know
1: that's a really good strategy, but I think it's also important maybe just for our listeners to say that, you know, employers cannot discriminate against somebody with dyslexia. They You're shouldn't. It's true,
0: yeah. In <laughs> theory, right, but uh, legally. Mm. I've had experiences of uh, being in interviews and letting people know that I'm dyslexia, uh, dyslexic and because uh, my final year project was uh, around dyslexia, mm-hmm. so they like, go on, oh, so you're dyslexic and they go yeah and then they immediately go it's, it's, you can see the turn in there themselves they immediately concentrate on the, the weaknesses like how will this affect you working for me sort of thing you know okay. that's why I'd be turned off by mm-hmm. doing it yeah.
1: No, that's absolutely fine, and mm-hmm. I think what that tells us is then we have a lot more work to do because employers should know that that is not an option for them. They can't actually do that, so mm-hmm. we've a bit more work to do in that <laughs> area, Amy. It's all right, my my. No, it's not criticizing you, anyway. I it's No, not no, no. But it's true. You've raised an yeah, interesting yeah. point because mm-hmm. people shouldn't feel that way. Yeah.
2: Um. You mentioned your final project. What did you do in college, and kind of what was your dyslexia project on? Oh, Instead of I, interest,
0: I um. Did product design in Minute, and um, my final year project was to do with um, an exam aid for dyslexics. So the idea was to sort of try and move people out of. Uh, their owns if if they could of course if out of their uh, their signed rooms and keep them in with the general public because I remember someone made a point to me about this it wasn't me who came up with this he's like the mo if you want to not stand out being in a room by yourself is the worst thing because like every time I would go to my own room people would go where were we for the exam the whole time and I was like I did it as well you know it's, yeah. it's a different room but I wouldn't have a problem saying why yeah but some people would so the whole idea of the 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 aid was to try and get people who weren't necessarily super severe um problems and try and keep them in so there's a reading aid and a um spelling aid mostly and a timekeeper for so
2: yeah yeah. cool sounds very interesting very interesting i can
0: send you a link to it anyways if you you want
1: do you let us know dylan
0: yeah
1: (laughs) that's very interesting actually i'd love to see that um So can we move on then and ask the next question from the hat? Okay, so let's have a let's have a look. What have we got? What about oh this is a good one. Um let me see the what advice would you give to the powers that be in relation to dyslexia?
0: Um so you mean like the government or would you be
1: Well, Department of Education, state okay, agencies, right. government, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I do think the um, the exams that you have to do to become dyslexic, the assessments, sorry, mm. to become dyslexic are unbelievably expensive. And it's a, m- the most important thing for people with dyslexia to do is to get a, assessed, obviously, you know. And obviously you need to accept it, all this sort of stuff. But ultimately you need to know. Mm. And you're talking about 10% of people roughly are dyslexic. So mm. when you're talking about other dis disabilities and schools only pay for something like three or four exams per year in their school mm-hmm. that and you taught, and we have 30-ish people in yeah. a class so mm-hmm. you know three of them are dyslexic just from a class let alone the other disabilities yeah. it's it's not right it's not education in my mm-hmm. opinion
1: so what would you do to solve that if you had the you had the like if you were in the lift with the person who was responsible for that and you had them for five minutes lift is stuck
0: and they can't go anywhere okay. what would your message be um well like obviously you have to think about budget and stuff like that but in an ideal world there mm. should be each, each school yeah. or region should have a psychiatrist to perform these general tests on every student mm-hmm. so you come out with you know all the students you know whether it be dyslexia or uh you know Asperger's or whatever you hmm. know what I mean they, at least you know and then after that you can deal with an issue instead of going to borderline cases get pushed under the rug for until there's an assessment open it's not hmm. right at all in my opinion.
1: Okay and how where are you Um. so obviously because that wasn't your experience so how, how has this come into your radar that you're aware of this cost and of the fact that some people are not being assessed and that they
0: need to be? I actually know a guy who uh, got diagnosed at 17 right and he went to a private school Mm -hmm. so even despite the abundance of money they would get from 5 to 7 grand a year Mm -hmm. tuition fee they're still not providing this education it's not just I went to a public school and they didn't have budget these schools have budgets and being allowed to get away with it you know it's 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 fraudulent you know like, these schools need to figure out whether they're elite rugby camps or places of education, you know? Excellent. That was really good yeah. point.
2: that a little bit in that like um, kind of we all have our experiences of school and some good and some bad are there any teachers that kind of didn't really get your dyslexia or didn't really understand it and kind of what was that like
0: um, well like my year head was didn't get it at all I went into primary uh, secondary school and there was an entrance exam and uh, they did they knew of my dyslexia my dad had told them about it several times to make sure that when I do in the entrance exam I'd be given support. On a day I was not given supports and then I end up in the lowest class in school. So then my father obviously outraged by this uh, campaign to get me out of the class I and mean, he the absolute fight with the earhead was ridiculous, despite good results from me, you know, in my class. Eventually it worked out, I got out of there. But, you know, if it wasn't for my father and that say it's you know, I, I don't think I would have got out of the class. Yeah, you know? and I
2: think that can be very problematic for parents. Um, I know when I speak to parents and they kind of ask about kids and when they're starting secondary school and things like that, and I always say that, um, I mean, your report, your assessment report is a much truer reflection of your ability yeah. than, you know, a pressurised exam on one day. Um, and especially kids with dyslexia, if they are entering a school that streams students, um, it's really important that they kind of talk about where that that student's ability is, regardless of what happened on the testing on that day. And I think it is important to take them in conjunction and Mm. maybe if they had read your report or at least given you assistance on the day, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah,
0: um, definitely. Because especially when you're... Twelve, thirteen, eleven, sometimes like you're you're not fully developed, especially at skills that you're you're naturally not good at and you don't fit into the system to learn how yeah. to do them. So assessing someone at that stage isn't fair.
1: So you seem to have spent some time really considering this stuff then around, uh, dyslexia and assessment and you know the education system so mm-hmm. is it something you research or is it something you're just interested in but is there anything else you want to say just in that like in that arena
0: um well I, I do a lot of research for it because it helps me understand who i am and why i do things and why i think the way i do so i think that when i sometimes want to get sort of down and stuff it uh, around something that would do it, reading or, you know, not getting jobs or something like that. I'd go to try to find more out about dyslexia. Just to I don't know give me a reason for why this has happened, you know, give me, you know, uh, I don't know, a balancing act, you know, mm-hmm.
1: to it. Yeah. So because so what I'm kinda hearing from you is is that while you're obviously very confident and successful at what you do and you've been diagnosed early, this still presents issues sometimes it Mm. still can present issues for you
0: so not to get too negative like I feel like I've been very negative towards this during the whole process of this podcast no you're
1: doing super you're you're the points you're making are so valid
0: yeah like there was one um my one of my bosses he was who I got along along with really well that he um I, I messed up with a email to a client once and he said oh you just he knew I was dyslexic. you just need to read better and I'm thinking like if someone was on a, uh, crutches and was slow up the stairs they wouldn't be like would you hurry up like you're taking ages there's a draft coming in you know yeah. they'd be given the time and it's just it seems like the, the the ignorance around dyslexia is actually more of a hindrance than the disability itself
2: yes and do you think, um I, I feel that a lot as well, and I think that because someone looks at you and looks at me and doesn't see your disability, do you think that plays into the idea that, like, oh, you might you might just be putting it on a bit, or that it's not a real disability?
0: Yeah, I get that a bit as well, because, you know, most people don't understand how their own brain works, let alone how someone else's does. So you can't really blame them for that. So it's, it's I don't know what the answer is, because... Why would they teach it on a curriculum or anything like that that, you know, this is what dyslexia is. You know? So but yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think um a lot of the kids we do self esteem workshops for dyslexia and me and they're okay. little kids and a lot of them after doing dyslexia and me do little presentations for their class and stuff. Yeah. And I think things like that are really helpful because in twenty years' time those kids are gonna be running the country and if they can remember the really cool, smart clever kid that was in their class who had dyslexia you know it gives them more of a reference point for what dyslexia is and what it means yeah
0: oh that's that's great i've never heard of that yeah it's very cool yeah look into that
2: you can you can come in and talk to them with me (laughs) they're sick of listening to me after two and a half hours so they'd be delighted to (laughs) see someone else um i'm gonna have a rummage around the hat i feel like i decorated it for no reason so i'm gonna give it some attention oh i like this one uh, has there been people in your life you kind of mentioned your dad there who kind of went into the school to explain um you know that you shouldn't be in a streamed class and things like that is there anyone in your life that you think has been really helpful to support your um kind of around your dyslexia
0: well obviously my dad has probably been uh the best for trying to get me through with a lot of things he asked me out a lot with certain more formal things you know like checking over like, um, my assignments and stuff like that he's really been a great help that way um, my, you know, my man has also been really supportive as well not to leave her out um, I had a private tutor growing up from about 5th class to leaving cert uh, because I was uh, around 4th class I got so far behind because I obviously uh, uh, the education I was getting wasn't suited for me at all yeah. I got so far behind that I nearly had to be put into a different school So, um, the, that, that, um, the tutor, uh, really another person that really helped me as well. Like I have to remember her, like the, I could basically not read in, um, about 2002. So it's like 16 years Come a long way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So...
2: I think it's important and it always I always gives like like big shout outs to parents um, of kids with dyslexia because like when I was doing like when I was doing my masters in law my mum was still like proofreading essays for me just kind of I think she did maybe my thesis and she had to read like 40,000 words some boring thing um, and like just when they think their job is done they get whipped back in again for <laughs> yeah. some terribly boring so she,
1: proofreading She got so she's done the masters and doesn't have the qualification basically yep. <laughs> burned out roach masters in law yeah dylan can i just ask you then and i know you said that you you felt like we were probably going down a negative track although while i feel everything you're saying is really important so to maybe move you away from that a little bit you might want to talk about like what does your dyslexia look like to you
0: um well i'd i'd it's sort of hidden to me as well sometimes because i'd read an email and not pick up on something and then someone goes well you didn't do that and it's like oh did you ask me to do it? And then read back over again. And then it's quite clearly there. That sort of stuff happens a lot. Uh, like, I can't do mental maths at all. It just jumbles up. I, I'm actually not bad at maths, but I have to write everything down and where it comes from and everything like that. Just the in the head, it's all over the place.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, well, I'd like. I don't know if you'd agree, but I, I came up with sort of an analogy to try and make people understand what it's like. It's sort of like a computer that has really poor internet but the computer itself is really good like it's just the you know how like if you have a slow internet connection and your web page would load up really slowly like the pictures won't load up and stuff like that it's sort of like that you know just to try and make people understand what it's like is it's really difficult you know
2: that's a great one, actually, because we do talk to the young people about kind of how they explain it. And that's a really good one, because once you're there, you're there and you're very mm. good at it. But it's just getting the page to load.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I like that. That's a really good way of thinking of it. Yeah. So it's like the picture is downloading, but it's happening really slowly. For, yeah. And, and then, then when once it goes, it's down, it's,
0: it, the whole web page can work perfectly, yeah. you know. but Brilliant. I really like that.
1: So it w- just on that, then, what are your greatest strengths, do you think, that your dyslexia brings to you?
0: Um, I'm really good at pattern reading, actually. Yeah, like, uh, do you know the game 40, uh, 2048? No. It's but- a, it's a, it's a silly game that you have, it's, there's, um, three by three squares. Okay. And, uh, uh you have, it does, it starts off with a one and a two and a two and you have to move them across and it'll make four and then another two will arrive oh I
1: do know it yeah, yeah.
0: so okay. I can do that really quickly because I can see the patterns happening oh so, very yeah. good so I think that sort of stuff but I, I don't know how to materialise it into my professional career but <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, as uh, soon as you do though you'll be unstoppable yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: This is the last question. It's my favorite one. And I'm pulling rank on Michelle because I'm dyslexic. So I'm like, I'm making sure I get to ask this question. Very so if we um, invented a magic pill that would take your dyslexia away forever, would you take it?
0: Uh, absolutely not. Uh, it's, as I said earlier in the podcast, that it's sort of the way it's how I interpret information and how like once there's an input, there's going to be an output. So it's the way I am. And to uh, just because the, you happen to be l- not like everyone else doesn't mean and the system's been built for that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. You just have to try and sort of create the world for yourself, and sometimes.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Um, and I think for any parents listening out there, I'd be interested to know if I was to go back to you in fourth class when you were like ten, would you have taken it then? When you were having a hard time. I
0: probably would have. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Fourth class is really difficult for me. You know, uh, I couldn't do anything. I got really far behind the maths and everything. Just you know stuff that you know you shouldn't be uh, bad at. You know, it yeah. doesn't necessarily affect it. You know, it just got really difficult. And you know, it, in a way, I didn't like myself a lot because it just I I felt like I was um, you know stupider than I was, but I was smart enough to realize it. Yeah. So um, it it was really tough back then, but now. Um, And I understand why I am the way I am. And it's not a bad thing, you know?
2: And I thank you for your honesty in relation to that because sometimes I speak to parents and I tell them, you know, all the research suggests, and and actually, um, most of the people that have been on this podcast, if not all, um, would suggest that adults wouldn't take the no dyslexia pill and they'd keep their dyslexia. Um, and that's hard when you're in the wars with a 10 year old mm. to kind of envision. So it's nice for you to say, yeah, 10 I would have, but I probably would have regretted it and yeah, I wouldn't do it it's now. Sort,
0: because it's sort of sold as, you know, an illness or something like that that's why you know i think that's why a 10 year old would see that but it's it's not taught the right right it's you know it your brain works differently as my parents would have told me as a seven year old you know it's not a bad thing it's just happened you fit into you're a square peg trying to go into a circle hole yeah it's brilliant
1: yeah no it's super and I think it really just highlights the fact that it's not and we had this conversation with somebody on another podcast it's not necessarily the problem and you've said this already Mm. it's not dyslexia is not the problem the problem is the education system that you're trying to fit into because it's a one size fits all approach Yeah. so if you're any way different or learn in any other way you fall off the edges quite Mm -hmm. quickly yeah. Um. But as you said, you were you were smart enough to see that that was happening, and that's where that disconnect can happen for mm-hmm. young people. So yeah, it was really interesting to hear yeah, you talk I, about that. Yeah, I, definitely that.
0: would have done well, or could have done with the self esteem things that you're talking about. You know.
2: You can sit at the back of your class. You're significantly taller than the <laughs> other kids that I'd have there. But you're more than welcome yeah, to sit in. Right. I provide juice and apples as oh. well, Susie. Brilliant. it's a great day actually.
1: <laughs> Could we? I know you said that was the last question, Amy. But I would just love to know: Are there any uh, famous dyslexic people that you kind of uh, are inspired by? Or I mean, they don't even have to be famous. Anybody, just dyslexic people in general. Anybody that you're inspired by?
0: Um. Yeah. So like there's the huge list on the internet, you you'll find, you know, and some contradict the other ones, but you know. As I said, it shouldn't be a hindrance. It's oh, it's sort of. Oh, uh, yeah. So, like, Richard Branson, for example, he's dyslexic. I wouldn't be, like, putting a Richard Branson poster up in front of my room. But uh, <laughs> what I do like about him is it's relatable, some of the stuff, the stories you hear from So there's one where he had to pull out... This is when, you know, he's a billionaire already. And he had to pull out uh, someone from an, uh, an office to t- tell him the difference between uh, gross and net profit. And the, the guy was saying the story, this was just like Richard Branson is he trying to trick me like here you know, but you know it's just because it gets muddled up in your head sometimes mm-hmm. you know this these like broad term or these made up terms for things you know sometimes they like static might static static tight you know like just, uh, <laughs> I'm having know, fifth know, class, which, You know, do you know what do you know which one's which? You know, there's one does this and one does this, but you can't remember the name for either you yes. know that's so, so yeah. that's where right. I I like the the famous the sexy mm-hmm. thing when you hear stuff that you can relate to you know
1: so in doing this podcast then you are probably there could be somebody somewhere listening and feeling a bit inspired by what you're saying it's just that you're telling your story which helps somebody else to understand themselves better so mm-hmm. there's definitely power in that so yes, we're so definitely. grateful that you came to talk to us tonight
2: So, we'd like to say a big, big thank you to Dylan. Thank you for coming to see us. Um, And we will catch up with you guys soon on our next podcast. Okay, say goodbye, Dylan. See you then. Bye.
1: Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye.